Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, December 13th. Spooky 2013. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we discuss cross-platform consistency. Should your app conform to platform conventions or maintain a consistent look and feel everywhere? Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. And there go the notifications. Yeah, notification overload. <laughs> so how's it going? Uh, it's it's good as long as you don't ask Richard. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because you just he's kicked a, him out in the snow? No, I, I just kicked him out because he's going to go get some dental work done. And it's oh. his least favorite thing. So. Yeah, that's right up there on least favorite thing lists. Yeah. He has a... a, a dental phobia well yeah one of, those, one of those people in other words he's not a masochist <laughs> <laughs> yeah excellent yeah. well it's uh snowing pretty good here actually which yeah, we, don't, we don't have about. any here so yeah it's we're got my fingers crossed that it'll stick still got uh two-thirds of our firewood shipment left in the garage so mm-hmm. we're holed up Need a need a good a good snowstorm. Mm. I'm ready. I'm ready for some some winter weather. We had some ice the other night, but not ice, as much is, ice is just annoying. Yeah, not as much fun. So let's see. Let's let's jump in. I know we're both super busy today. All kinds of fun stuff that we're working on. Yeah. Uh, so let's start off with some housekeeping. Got a few things this week, um, in no particular order. I was able to procure a Firefox OS phone for Kelly. Yay! Yay! Very cool. Um, I think you're going to like it. Awesome. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, sure. Uh, there's no SIM card or anything, but you will get the feel for it. You're a, and you're a big Firefox user, aren't you? Um, Actually, I mostly use Chrome. Really? Cause it's, okay. Yeah. Cause I switched I remember, a while back. I see, yeah. But Firefox has gotten a lot better since I switched as far as the developer tools. Yep, they have. They really have some cool stuff in there. Every once in a while, I switch in whenever uh, over to Firefox whenever I'm having problems with um, my Z-index and layering because they have yes. a 3D view, which is super Yes, I, I do that often. It's awesome. Yeah, the dev tools are really cool. The, the Chrome, uh, I think it was last week, released a huge update to their dev tools. So they are... They are firing on all cylinders um if you uh haven't if you're if you haven't checked out the chrome dev tools in a little while check the show notes on this episode and i'll link to a it's like a jaw-dropping video of the new features in chrome dev tools it's completely amazing yeah it is um and very mobile centric for for example one of the features is that you can screen share your uh, mobile device uh, on your desktop which you can do other ways with other applications, but it's super nice to have it right built right into the browser. That would be really nice. Yeah. And there's an emulator for like, you know, with, with built-in defaults for like 50 different devices. So it's, it's totally sick. Wow. Nice. Yeah. There's a, a laundry list of things. You just check out the video. So uh, when you, uh, like I said, we'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of remote debugging in Safari lately yeah and it's the safari's developer tools are just bleh. <laughs> yeah they're it's they're just really 
it's kind of a mess. I do the same thing though. I'll switch over to Safari when I'm trying to debug something on iOS, but it only works yeah. for, for Safari. So that's a little bit of a drag, but uh, it is when you're stuck, it is really helpful. I mean, it's it's better than nothing, but they right. they pale in comparison to Chrome and and to what Firefox is at now. Yes, so. yes, absolutely. So you will be uh, you sh- should be a couple of weeks, and you'll have the little orange geeks phone in your mailbox. Awesome. Yeah. Speaking of phones, I finally got my Nexus Five, mm-hmm. and I am horrified to report that I am completely underwhelmed. That saddens me greatly. I know, me too. On the, on the other hand, it also makes me glad I didn't go ahead and buy one myself. Yes, so that's you've got that. You dodged the bullet. I'm still the jury's still a little bit out, but uh, I mean, it boils down to one major issue, which the thing is just too big, and uh, it's not really the Nexus 5's fault. Um, I had the Nexus 4 before. This was a little bit smaller, and that phone was the perfect phone for me. Uh, so it's kind of a kind of. The, the bar is set really high for the Nexus 5. And uh, I ordered the, just for people out there who might be considering them, um, I ordered the white one because that was the only one that was in stock and I was anxious to get it. And that turned out to be a mistake because the white back is very slippery uh, compared mm-hmm. to the black back. And between the slipperiness of the back and the size, it is virtually impossible for me to use the phone with one hand, which is a huge deal breaker. Yeah, that sounds really awkward. Yeah, it's, I mean, I have, this thing will get dropped and broken. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, I, I mean, I put some duct tape on the back of it to make it a little stickier, which is, you know, brand new phone <laughs> with duct tape on it. Yeah. I, d- I did use polka dot. Erica has. Polka dot duct tape? Yeah, Erica has, uh, she's a big crafter. She has decorative duct tape. <laughs> yeah, I saw she had a big, a big crafting injury the other night, but a crafter down. Yes, crafter down. She was, uh, what was she doing? She was cutting she out. She had an argument with an X-Acto knife. Yeah, she came out on the losing end of that. I've done that many times. <laughs> so, yes, but she's fine. She just has the, uh, she got the one finger salute band-aid on there. <laughs> so, Nexus, so Nexus 5, like all the, all the stuff, you know, all the, the KitKat and, the, you know, the way everything works is, fantastic it's exactly like the nexus 4 basically with some uh tweaks a couple things are moved around a little bit um the screen's gorgeous uh it's fast it's smooth it does everything you'd expect um but it's just too big for me which is gosh so uh, maybe i'll get used to it i've been using an iphone 5s for a month and that thing is puny so um maybe i'll, I'll get used to it but we'll see the other thing is that uh, the battery life stinks, which is a major problem. So I'm hoping for a software update to fix that. I know there is a software update available that hasn't hit my phone yet. So hopefully that will solve that problem. Yeah. I, it doesn't bother me so much on a tablet because you don't expect it. But not having good battery life on a phone really stinks. Yeah, I'm like barely making it through a day. Oh. And when and the other thing about the other thing about battery life that people don't talk about as much is... Um, you can get away with kind of crappy battery life if if your battery charges really fast. Yeah. And that is not the case with this phone. It does not charge really fast. So just uh, definitely a little bit of buyer's remorse here. If I'd gotten the black, I might like it a little bit better. Uh, if the software update lands and does something about the battery life, that'll be great. Um, it's definitely... Um, 
my main phone, it's still, I like it better than the 5S, but it's nowhere near as good as the Nexus 4, as far as I'm concerned. And the Nexus 4 is the one you lost, isn't it? Yeah, left it in a cab. I've been, I've literally been going on eBay. I'm like, God, I'm going to buy a used one. But they're like, they're more, they're more on eBay than I originally paid Google to get one. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, get you a Moto X. I've been thinking about it. I have been thinking about the it. Moto G looks good for its price. Yeah. Yeah, those are good. I mean, I love the OS. I really do like it better because it's so much more flexible. You can control so many more things. You can set default applications for handling different things. And really, and but the biggest thing is the uh, the swipe keyboard typing. It's it's just crazy how fast you can type with it. Yeah, yeah. Typing on iOS sucks. I gave up. I started using the uh, microphone to type everything. It, yeah, it, that's what I do. If it was longer than uh, if it was like a full sentence, I would just. I would just make everyone around me cringe with me, you know, pronouncing punctuation. Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> yeah, it's and I, I hate doing it, but the typing yeah. is hideous. If I, have to, if I have to reply to something with more than three words, I'm going to use Siri. I'm sorry. Yeah. Or the voice input, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's pretty, the voice input's pretty good, but it's not it as is. good as Android. Like Android shows you live that it's, um, that it's, it's that it's reading what you're saying, you know, so like as you're talking, it's writing. Oh, cool. And in, you know, the voice input on um, the iPhone is like sending your input to a server or something, but it waits till you're done talking and you have to press done and then it processes it. And if it went horribly wrong at the beginning of the sentence, you have to like backspace, 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 like you have to backspace mm -hmm. all the way through the thing, which is another drag where on the, on, the, on Android, if the voice input goes horribly wrong, you just backspace once and it deletes anything. It just put it, the whole sentence. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to wait for it to get sent to Apple servers and processed and and then only to find out that, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Yeah. It happens all the time that I start yeah. talking before it's ready. Yes, I do that too. It's frustrating. So anyway, yeah, Android I, is still for me a much better operating for me it's a much better operating system. I know it's not for everyone, but I, I'm really bummed out about this Nexus 5. So fingers crossed that it gets better with software update or maybe I wonder if there's something I can do to my fingers to make them stickier. <laughs> sticky fingers. <laughs> TM. We're working on yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have sticky everything at the moment. So. Yeah. I'm sure someone out there is screaming like why don't you just put a case on it? But I'm just not a, I'm not a phone case guy. That would just make it bigger. Right. It's already, it's, it's already, it's uncomfortably big in my pocket. Like I was walking around last night with the Nexus seven in my back pocket and it didn't feel that much different. <laughs> so yeah. for first world problems. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving right along. Uh, a couple a couple of other things in housekeeping. Uh, I think I mentioned last week that um, Daniel Jacobs had said he was going to get in touch with me for some updates to our API strategy episode. Yes. Uh, he, he uh, That has not happened yet, but I see from his Twitter stream that he's busy with some crazy release at Netflix, so I'm not surprised. Ah. So um, keep your fingers crossed. Hopefully we'll get uh, to talk to him soon. And uh, speaking of soon, guess what's coming up soon? Um, your birthday. Oh, well, that's true. That's not what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be 11 one 
Yes. As a matter of fact. first birthday. Yes. Uh, yes, that's true. That's coming up. Um, but what I was going to say was the our 100th episode is oh, yes. on the horizon. Yes, it is. And we had a, um, we had a brief exchange on Twitter with the, the dear listener. And uh, it occurred to us to, he was sort of laughing about the, the Earlids episode title. And we were all sort of chuckling about how pleased we are with ourselves <laughs> in our hilarious titles. But uh, we thought it'd be fun to do like a t-shirt giveaway, do like a, do like, um, uh, have a vote for people's favorite uh, title and then, yeah. and then do like a t-shirt giveaway for uh, a dear listener. Yeah, that would be fun. So, uh, yeah, so we're thinking about doing that. If if no one cares, <laughs> hit us up on Twitter. Let us know that you don't care. <laughs> so I was thinking, if there's I, the one person out there that does care, well, you're going to get a shirt. <laughs> you're going to get a t-shirt, exactly. So one of the I was I was like, oh, it would be cool to like just run a. It would sort of like raise attention if we, um, you know, started the survey early. But you can't really because there are going to be you know. Like, 13 more, more episodes. Yeah. yeah, there's more titles. That so wouldn't be fair. So I guess we'll wait until the last, the 99th episode and we'll start it. Do it that week. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Run it for a week and then everybody who votes will be entered into a drawing for a, a luxurious short sleeve t-shirt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> High end fashion. Dev chic. Yeah. I kind of want to make a local toast t-shirt now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that, uh, I was going to save that for the punk report. I thought that's so funny. Why won't my, why isn't my website, why is my, my local my website down? How can hmm? it be down? It's not responding to local toast. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those days. Local toast down. Yeah. It's like, hmm. This um this URL should be a podcast title. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. Uh, so let's can, see. Can you hear that? Can you hear that? I uh, no. It's not no. It's that that sound in the background. If you if you should hear a, a ripping and shredding and tearing sound in the background, it's just my cat going in my curtains. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was Richard's dentist. <laughs> no. No, and also the occasional loud crash of the sheets of ice sliding off of the metal roof and crashing into the ground. Ooh, that sounds soothing. Yeah. They woke me up several times last night. <laughs> wow. All right, well, duly noted. Uh, and the last bit of housekeeping, I wanted to follow up on last week's episode about notification overload. Yes. Um, there's sort of two two things that popped up on my radar this week that I thought were kind of in that category one is uh there is an indiegogo for a smart ring that uh is basically a notification center for your finger <laughs> i want it i want it so bad. Did, have you seen it no it looks awesome it's like uh it's just a silver ring it's sort of medium size it looks it's they say it's unisex it looks a little a little on the manly side to me uh, but it's got uh a little teeny weeny led screen that uh shows you the time normally or it will show you um uh, notifications when they come up it, it's bluetooth le to your phone and it even has uh on, on the opposite side from the little 
screen, it's got uh, a a next previous and a like a uh, enter button. Hmm. So you can like you can. <laughs> It's like it, it looks so like it's weird because I was complaining about the uh, the Pebble Watch, yeah, last week. But this thing, I think, if you can control which notifications go to it surgically, so that you can really get it down to just the ones you you are that are urgent, then this thing is perfect because um, it, uh, it it I you know I talked last week about how you can't do anything on the watch you can just it just tells you things yeah and that it's just informational and the ring is like even more like you can't do anything on this thing (laughs) so uh it's it's pricey it's like more than the watch uh it's like 175 Mm. but it comes with an inductive charging pad for it and uh it's big enough also for a phone if you have an inductive phone which the nexus 5 is that's true yes uh, so a very clever little device. Um, I'm sure it'll be six months. I'm sure it'll be like super late production wise because it's, it's such a little compact piece of kit. But it, yeah. it looks good. I would wear it for sure. It looks a lot better than the white Pebble watch that uh, I have. White Pebble, yeah. yeah. Cool. It's probably got very low power consumption too. Yeah, it's not doing, it's doing as little as possible. That's for sure. Um, so also in the notification realm, I don't know if I've talked about pushover before. Does that sound familiar? Uh, I think we've mentioned it, but I don't know that we've discussed it in any kind of detail. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, um, a service for sending push notifications, isn't it? Yes. So it's, it's, um, I discovered it through IFT or I F T T T. Uh, and it is, um, we've talked about IFT quite a few times that IFT is kind of like for, for, you know, it stands for if then if this then that and it it allows you to basically connect channels to each other so a channel would be something like uh, the weather or um, twitter twitter yeah twitter's a big one or the wemo motion sensors or github or actually github's not hue in there. lights hue lights yeah so you can you there are all these channels and and some they're not all they're not all two-way some of them are just one way but Basically, what happens is you you link to a channel and you basically listen for events to happen in that channel. And then if something happens in that channel, then you pass, you kind of like pipe the the uh, standard in, if you will, into or standard out into the another channel. And then the other channel creates some kind of output. So like a common thing to do is like uh, listen to an RSS, like, like I had a channel that was listening or watching my RSS feed. And when I would post a new blog post, it would automatically tweet it. Yeah. Uh, So you can do all sorts of fun things like that. And one of the things, if you, one of the channels is pushover. So if you want to send push notifications, um, you link uh, if to pushover and you can listen for all of the events on any of the channels and then send push notifications out um, to uh, the pushover app which is a native application for Android or iOS so this is cool like like ift has a uh, an SMS channel which you can use but SMS is not free and um, uh, you know and I don't know pushover is pretty sweet uh, and you can use it without ift which I recently did with GitHub. Like, so GitHub webhooks, you can point them at, um, at pushover and I get push notifications on all of my phones 
when um, someone pushes to repos that I have other developers working on. So I know that they're nice. actually, they just push something. There's a bunch of ways to get notified of that, but um, this was the one that was the most, I thought most convenient to me. So what this has to do with notifications is that you can stick pushover in front of a lot of other stuff and basically shut off notifications on your phone and, and, um, and just use pushover. And the, the difference is that you can get super granular with uh, what things pushover will do. So you can say um, for, for given um, trigger, you can say, okay, this only goes to certain devices. It doesn't go to all of them. Uh, we were talking about that last week. Notification mm -hmm. echo, the whole basement explodes when, you know, when I get like an SMS. Tweets at you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can say, I only want to get uh, push notifications on this particular device. And you can say, I only want to get, you can get super granular. Like I only want to get push notifications on this particular device between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's a little fiddly and you have to configure, you can configure a lot of stuff, but of course that means that if you want to do it, then you have to configure a lot of stuff. Um, but it's pretty straightforward. It's super cool. Uh, you can check it out at pushover.net and you just install the native app on whatever devices you want to get pushover notifications on. And, uh, you can immediately start sending test notifications, um, out of the gate and they have an API. You can use command line interface. It's, it's sort of a modern web service that it does all the things you'd expect. Cool. I have to check it out. I haven't looked at it yet. Yeah. It's really the, the thing about it that I am interested in is, um, or I was, I think this is coming native to browsers now, but, uh, I was interested in using it to send push notifications from a web app. Yeah. So you could say, you know, for like, like, Kilo, let's say, which I've been doing a lot of work on lately. If you didn't log any food or exercise in the last 36 hours or something, it can send you an SMS and I could set that up through Twilio or whatever, but, or send you an email, which would be free, or I can give the option to send you a push notification. All you have to do is install pushover and connect it. Uh, so it's, uh, it gives you another option in the, the sort of the, push notifications are a nice mix between SMS and, and email because they're free like email, but they're more intrusive than email. So yeah, and sometimes, sometimes you need more intrusive. Exactly. Yep. Um, cool. Okay. So that was, uh, that was housekeeping. And we have sort of a couple of bug reports. Can we, can we pause real quick for just a second? Certainly. The Mexican food that I had for lunch is trying to kill me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> doing a fairly good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's fast. Lunch was not that long. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's like the next morning I'm like, oh yeah, I had hot salsa last night. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm nothing if not efficient. <laughs> <laughs> it burns. <laughs> um, okay, so let's see. We have a couple of bug reports this week, or sort of like bug reports. Sort of like bug reports. One is a one is a frustration report. <laughs> a rant report. Yeah, a rant report. Do you, um, do you want to go first or shall I? Yeah, mine's a, mine's a straight up bug, so it's easy. Um, okay. 
Uh, so speaking of Firefox OS phones, <laughs> I uh, in Kilo, I, w- I have submitted to the Firefox marketplace uh, a hosted version of the Kilo app uh, that you can install on your Firefox OS phone or your Mac or Windows PC. And uh, I, it, one of the screens has a, um, the, the food, when you're going to enter a new food, it gives you a list of previous foods that you've entered. So you don't have to mm-hmm. type it. And rather than do something overly fancy, I just put a, um, a select element on the screen and you just tap it and whatever the default display is for the platform that you're on is what you get. So it's, uh, this actually feeds into the feature in a little bit. Um, so on, you know, Android, you get a big white list that scrolls nicely uh, across the whole, covers most of the screen. Um, and on uh, iOS, you get like the sort of new, especially, you know, iOS 7, you get that new kind of disco-y translucent spinner at the bottom of the screen. Yeah. And I I really didn't like the uh, the iOS the way iOS displayed the spinner and it's, it's very low contrast. It centers all the text. So for really long entries, uh, it's, it cuts off and it's just really hard to read because some entries are really short and some are really long. It's not left aligned. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's very jagged and annoying. Um, so I Googled around and it turns out that you can control somewhat the look of that widget by adding an option group to your select. Uh-huh. And uh, I had, I, I haven't even thought about option groups in years. <laughs> yeah, I'm using them on, on uh, one of my apps. Yeah. yeah, so an option group is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, inside of a select element, you normally have option elements and you can group them with an option group wrapper. And what that does on iOS is it allows you to, I don't know if it allows you to style it or if it just, if it gives a different style. I can't, I don't think I applied any CSS. So if you just put, if you just put an empty option group at the end of your select, it will left align all of the uh, items and you can, and it also shows more of the text. I can't remember. I think it wraps. I can't remember if it wraps or it shrinks it, but I think it wraps. Uh, so you can actually see the entry, which is nice when you're trying to pick from a list. Uh, but the, the bad news is that uh, option groups do not work in Firefox OS. So uh, that's strange. Yeah, it's a bummer. So if you with the option group in there, uh, if you when you tap on the select, it just does nothing. Like it focuses on the select, but nothing pops up. So um, I had to. So for now, I just removed it so that uh, Firefox, so everything works. And then uh, at some point, I will conditionally add an option group on iOS so that I don't have the, the, uh, that yucky centered select element. Yeah, yeah it, it does give them a nice, I hadn't even realized that before until you said it because I've, but yeah, I just pulled it up and on the, the app that I'm using the option group for, it does give a nice left aligned list. Mm. Yeah, that's it's my preference. Better. Yeah, it does have a weird. It has this weird three D like, it's sort of like off kilter three D barrel yeah. feel to it. But whatever. Um, and that is going to segue nicely into our feature. But before we do that, 
I wanted to hear about your front-end performance exploits with Knockout. Uh, in a nutshell, Knockout sucks for performance. <laughs> but it, performance isn't that important, so... Yeah, who needs fine. it? Yeah. <laughs> so what's, so um, a little background would be good. Uh, okay. Like, what sort of a project is this on? Why did you pick it in the first place? Um, um, it's a it's a to do list application that has a lot of a lot of sort of st- changing statuses and list orders and things like that. So the reason I chose Knockout to begin with is um, uh, Knockout has this this thing they call observable. They call column observables, and basically you can have template variables in your template that. Um, say if you update them, update the value of the variable in your JavaScript, the template will just automatically update. You don't have to do anything else to to, to get the view mm-hmm. to update. Right. So it's almost like listening for a change event on a variable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do you map the elements that care about changes to that variable? Do you, you add an attribute to the elements that care about it, like a regular bind type of thing? Um, yeah, you just set them as an set them as an observable. Uh, you you specify when you when you define the variable, you specify that you want this to be one that that gets observed. Mm-hmm. So does and it like then, throw an event, and then you have pieces of the UI listening for the event, or yeah, yeah, and you can do you can do conditionals and and loops and all that sort of stuff in in the UI templates. Cool. And, yeah, so that's that's very yeah. attractive. You can see why in a complex application that had lots of um, data-based DOM manipulation. Mm-hmm. That'd be that'd be great. Yeah. The problem is it's very slow. <laughs> I mean, very slow. I was surprisingly how, surprised how slow. Right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously, the more the more conditional statements and variables you're absorbing and things like that, the slower it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But I um and. We started we started noticing some some performance issues fairly early on, and, and we're still kind of dealing with them because we um we're still using Knockout in a few places. And um, one of one of the other things, for instance, if you if you have um, have an observable array, for instance, and then you have a list in your DOM that you have a bunch of of items in your list that the, that your template iterates through and, and prints out in your DOM. Is any time that array changes, well, you know that's that's fine. It's going to update your list, but that means you end up with a lot of, of repaints. And, oh and yeah, layout thrashing. Yeah. Jeez, it's not. It's just CSS too, performance. Just. Yeah, that's a that's a yeah. that's definitely bad. Yeah, and there's no way to to continue using that sort of observable feature in an element that's been detached from the DOM. So you can't even like detach it first and let knockout do its thing and stick it back in there. Yeah. That sort of stuff. So yeah. Yeah, that was that was what killed it for me. That's a drag. Yeah, there's no no way to avoid no way to avoid a lot of repaints. Huh. Is is this like I'm curious if it's a known issue and it's something that they're working on or cuz that's I, I think it's I think it's um, from Googling, Googling around. It seems to be a pretty known issue that Knockout's performance is not great, mm. but I don't know that anyone was, anyone is working on this because, um, well, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, to me, it seems like an obvious thing, but 
maybe knockouts just not intended to be used for a project of the size i don't know right but it seems it seems like a pretty basic thing to me yeah i mean you it's i mean that's the trade-off with with libraries and frameworks is that mm -hmm. like it increases the develop it, it makes development easier and it makes your code cleaner but it it's an, a layer of abstraction that yeah could potentially result in things like this that's a drag yeah so huh so i mean the solution was just to just like not use knockout right but i mean it's you just be the solution you just wrote like old school like jquery spaghetti code i assume like yeah i think i'm i think i'm gonna re i think i would use markup.js for the templating i'm a big fan of markup.js it doesn't so there's a couple of things uh markup there's mustache uh, handlebars. There are a ton of JavaScript temp templating uh, mm -hmm. libraries, but they um, they they don't they just do that one thing. They don't automatically yeah. update. You don't you know you have to roll your own yeah. like glue. Um, but uh, if if you like Mustache, and that's probably my favorite because I love that it's been ported to like every language under the sun, so you can just mm -hmm. write it everywhere when you're using templates. Um, if you, if, if mustache, if you are familiar with mustache, but it, you wish it had a couple more features, check out markup.js because it, it's still logicless, which is the claim to fame of mustache. You have to like get your data massaged into the shape that you want it in the UI before sending it to the template. Yeah. But, um, it has just a little bit of you can add a little bit of display logic in, yeah. in the template. So for example, um, it's got the, I think, I think he calls them plugins or these, they're these little like s functions that uh, it comes with like 40 of these little functions built in and you can write your own functions that um, you, you kind of like pipe the data from the current, like, like you're, you've got an array, it's looping through the, uh, the items in the array and it's drawing a list like you were just talking about. Yeah. And let's say there's a, uh, there's like a title, a main title and bold text. And then underneath there's like, um, a timestamp. And in the, in the JavaScript object, you get the timestamp from like a, a database and it's, it's in, you know, year, month, day, hour, minute, second format. Mm -hmm. With mustache, you'd have to dork around with that format in the array before you send it to the template. And that gets really annoying because sometimes you want the date to look different in different places in the same screen. Yeah. Yeah. And it can also, can also end up doing a little looping where you don't need to. Yeah. So what, what uh, markup allows you to do in that, like in this particular example, you can... Um, you just say in the template, you say, okay, apply this variable to this element. That's normal like mustache. But then you put like mm -hmm. a pipe character. And after that, you you put like a keyword for a particular function to run. And it runs the, it takes the variable, runs it through the function and, and outputs the result into the spot that it's supposed to go. And it's not like you can't do this with mustache. You just do it in your logic. But it, it just feels really... It feels writer to me. <laughs> writer, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the the I feel like formatting a date is something that should live in the template. Yeah, I, th I think so. I feel that way too. 
So it's pretty cool. And there's a million, there's tons of functions. There's like um, max length, uh, for example, that'll add uh, an, an uh, ellipsis after a certain number of characters. And there's like, uh, yeah, there's all kinds currency of currency ones. And yeah. So it's, it's really cool. It is really cool. And it's f- fairly small footprint. Um, and I played around with it a little bit. And uh, I dig it. So check out markup.js. Yes. I think that's what I'm going to be using. <laughs> yeah. God, what a bummer. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of sucks to have to redo redo so much at this point. But Yeah. I mean, that's the that's always the fear. Like that's like Yeah. And it just I feel really bad for the client because it was it was my decision to do knockout to begin with. Mm. But, you know, he's a he's a, a, a great guy. So. Yeah, well. And, you know, some stuff like that, you don't know until you get it under load how it's going to perform. Yeah, it's true. Like, you wouldn't know if it was going to be too slow until you had the thing written. Yeah. Drag. All right. Shall we slide on into the feature? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Cool. So, uh, I think it was last night I got into one of those Twitter slap fights that people tend to get into sometimes. <laughs> you're, you're good at getting into those. I, every once in a while, like, I'll just, I, you just see a tweet and it just ticks you off. Yeah, and, I missed this one. I didn't see it. So. Yeah, I mean, like, I can't come to bed. Someone on the internet is wrong. Right. And, uh, you know, and it's not, it's... I went back later to see if I was like jumping into the middle of a conversation between two people and I took something out of context and I, I, I don't think I did. So, mm-hmm. um, but the, uh, I'll read you the, the tweet, uh, the tweet the, that started at all, the tweet that rang around the world. Let's see. Local toast. <laughs> so this wasn't even someone I was following. It was retweeted by someone I am following, which is, which if someone, which made me a little, <laughs> which rubbed me even wronger. Yeah. <laughs> but the tweet was, um, you know, classic passive aggressive Twitter tweet. It was, uh, I sure wish this app worked the same way on all platforms, said no one ever. Execs are obsessed with consistency. Users want good. And I was like, um, I say that all the time. Yeah. And so we, we got off into a, you know, we do probably a stream of 20 or 30 tweets back and forth and kind of ended up like, uh, I don't know that, uh, I guess it doesn't matter like how it ended up, but the, the, the guy who originally tweeted ended with, he was, they were kind of trying to say that they're, oh no, we're all in agreement. Consistency's good, but not to be overdone blindly. And I was Wait, like, what? I'm like, um, can you give me an example of an app that's too consistent across platforms? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I wasn't, I, I could meet any, never that was that. And, and, uh, I could imagine someone being like, oh, well, um, this, like, for example, maybe he was thinking I meant, or maybe an example of two consistent cross platforms is like using the iPhone app on an iPad and and like the user interface just being zoomed in, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I agree that that's, that's not good, but I don't, I don't file that under consistency. I don't think everything has to be the same size to be considered consistent. 
Right. Um, but I, I, but it did get me thinking. I'm like, well, the interfaces that I'm thinking of are different from different, different form factors, but they're mm-hmm. not so different in similar form factors. So a whole, a whole bunch of things spun out of that. But I, what, like, what do you think about it in general? Um, you're an Android and an iOS person, so yeah, yeah. To me, consistent, consistent is good. I mean, <sighs> yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing more really to say about it. I mean, like for instance, the um, uh, well, for instance, Instagram. When I first started using Instagram on iOS, mm-hmm. okay, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is this is how it works. And then I pulled it up on my Android tablet, and I'm going, okay. What do I do? Yeah, is this even the same? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, right, right. It was, like it was completely different. Hmm. Whereas, say, you know, Twitter <laughs> client is. Yeah. yeah. See, now Twitter was actually guilty of inconsistency across platform yes. for a long time. Yes. But they have it nailed now. Yes. So, and they're in fact they're my they're my good example. So if you and and that's what I said, you know, in the in the conversation last night. Um, one of the people was like, well, you know, we're all, we're not normal users. Normal users don't care about this kind of thing. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, they do. I'm like, BS, normal users care more about it. Norm- normal users care more about it because they're, they're generally not as tech savvy. And to me, to me, the whole, the whole thing is about sort of reducing the amount of, of mental context switching that, that the person has to do. Right. Yeah, Totally. So like the the so here's here, here's like the example that I gave. I I think that his point was that normal people don't switch between devices as much as other as much we, as do. we do, which I can sort of see, but at the same time I know a lot of people who have like either either they'll have an Android phone and an iPod touch or like one will have an Android and oh, their spouse will have an iPhone and they'll, they'll use each other's use each other's phones and mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah, and like Amazon's giving away Kindle Fires this year. It's <laughs> like every, like millions of iPhone users are going to get a Kindle Fire under their tree. You know, so it, those people when they and then when they launch Facebook on it, they're going to expect it to work just like it does on iOS. Yeah, they're going to want it to look like Facebook. Yeah. So so Twitter Twitter is a just Twitter's just such a great example of this because they had when they bought Tweety and re, you know and relaunched it as the Twitter client, they had a really sophisticated web mobile web app and they had now they had this new application and they had uh, Android apps and they had they, when Windows Phone came out they even did a Windows Phone app and the for a long time the Android experience was just significantly different than. Mm-hmm the uh, iOS experience and the windows phone one was unrecognizable. You like, you didn't even know it was Twitter because <laughs> it used the standard. If you're familiar with windows phone, the tab interface is, is uh, like the, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not like, t- it's just so different because yeah. the windows OS, uh, windows phone OS, which is gorgeous, um, has a very different um, visual interpretation of what a tab is. It's still a tab and it still operates the same way. Um, in a conceptual way, but visually it's just drastically different. Yeah. And they just went with, I, I mean, my assumption is that they were cranking something out really fast. They just went with the default user interface widgets 
And it was like, I couldn't, it was such a cognitive load when I would shift between the different platforms that I just would never use it on Windows Phone because it was, it was just ridiculous. Too much thinking. Yeah, I was always lost. So now, fast forward a year, um, and the Twitter experience on uh, mobile, let's just stick with mobile, is not identical, but it is so similar that you don't, that it's, that it's transparent. Mm-hmm. So like they might take the toolbar from the bottom uh, and put it at the top because it works better like that on the web. So in the web experience, the toolbars at the top, but you know, you still, but the navigation is the same. It's still the same four icons. Um, they, they look exactly the same. They're in a different place in the real estate, but you still can see where they are. And the same thing for the, the larger tablet sizes, they use all of they just use the, the same visual language everywhere. Same color schemes, same, the, yeah, like the Windows phone app wasn't even right. the same Twitter colors. It was, it, it was completely unbranded. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, that's a good point. There is the same visual language. Yeah. Your apps don't have to be 100% identical. There, right. there are benefits and drawbacks to each platform that you can take advantage of and that you have to work around at times, but still there should, there should be the same visual consistency and major elements like navigation. Yeah. Maybe it's in a different spot on the screen, but you don't go rearranging the buttons on the navigation and it's still clearly visible. Right. And you don't like take away some buttons or you, you don't, you right, just, right. You're, you're still, it's still, it's still the same design language. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, Anyway, I, I just cannot come up with a reason why that would be bad other than maybe, I was going to say maybe it's more work. I don't feel like it's even more work. It's I like I don't feel like it is either because you only have to design it once. Yeah, right. Yeah, you get your icons and all that stuff. It's like, okay, this is, so here, here is the sort of style tiles or the element collage of this mm-hmm. app. And maybe you're going to put the, uh, the, excuse me, the nav, on the left-hand side on uh, an iPad instead of at the top of the bottom because it's a better use of the real estate. But, but fine, you know, it's like, uh, it's okay to, to rejigger stuff for a different... It still feels like the same experience. Right. And... I mean... Yeah, go ahead. If, if you don't expect your your users to be switching between iOS and Android and phone and tablet, then you could potentially make the argument that having something different and and going with a native look is going to be the thing that causes them to have to do less mental shifting of gears. But I just think it's really impractical to to think that way because it doesn't happen. He said, "I, I know people who aren't tech savvy at all and they have three or four devices running as many operating systems and as many screen resolutions. Yeah, definitely. It's like, yeah. And that's the, that is exactly, I think the argument where people will say maybe, maybe six years ago when it was, that was accurate. Yeah. All iPhone. It was like you and you weren't Twitter. You didn't have like a massive user base. You were trying to gain adoption. You would use the, there's a, a strong argument for using the native UI conventions because people would automatically know how to use your app. They automatically knew right. what a back button looked like and they automatically knew that they could swipe on a list to delete an item and, and that sort of thing. But that's, I, I mean, that is, I would say that that has changed uh, I, I feel like that has reached a tipping point and that, like you said, 
um, regular people have multiple devices with different platforms and, and screen sizes and resolutions and that any um, and that to marry yourself to the platform is kind of short-sighted because as I mean I just am a firm believer that uh, as time goes on people are going to have more and more devices more mm-hmm. kinds of devices and that the the OS is just going to fade into the background. Yeah, it is. And you know what annoys me is, speaking of, oh, we have to match the native look and feel, is it seems like, oh, as soon as iOS 7 came out, people were like, oh, we have to do that again. And and now they're all... <laughs> it is just... Yes. just like, stop it. Yeah, stop. It's a nightmare. Just stop. iOS 7 is ugly, <laughs> and you're just breaking it for... You're just breaking the, the look of it for, like, everything else. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, it's that's a, a good example of what you know. If you if you did if your app was very iOS six native, it does look like crap on iOS seven. But if but that's because you you, in my opinion, my humble opinion, that's because you made a mistake in the first place <laughs> of trying to make an iOS looking app instead of making an app that looks like your app. Like your app should look like your app. Yes, and. I, I'm just it's I'm just a really firm believer in that. And suppose this whole conversation presupposes that that an app is cross-platform obviously. I mean like yeah. if if you don't care about that then if you're not ever going to be on the other platforms which I think is bananas um but people have their reasons uh then it this is a sort of a non-issue. But you assuming that you are going to be on multiple platforms, even just the web and iOS for example. Yeah, exactly. Even you know, even carry over carry over the visual consistency between between the web and and native. And you can still, you know, have a like you said, have a style guide that you adhere to, and have your your style tiles or your element collages that kind of thing. Have a have a consistent consistent visual language there that you use. Mm-hmm. And you know, if button placement changes, so be it. But <laughs> right, you know the. You can you can still you can still carry through that visual consistency, right? And it's better for your brand. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it for for this is a no brainer for like a like a big company or retailer or something like that. Like if you're just building apps in your garage to you know pay your mortgage or whatever, that's that's one thing. But for for a brand to sort of subvert your brand to look platform resident on iOS or Android is crazy. Like mm-hmm. no CMO is ever going to approve. Like that is, that would be like, it's the antithesis of the yeah. idea. So yeah, chances are they're going to have all of that style, those style guides and, and the look of your brand established before you even start building the app. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, mm-hmm. oh, you, you have to stick with that. And, and that's a good thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, what else guys? So another, one other, uh, so another angle came up in the conversation where um, that that kind of boils down to the same thing that these conversations always boil down to for me, which is that you, it's, it's ridiculous to make statements about how an app should be because there are so many different kinds of apps and they're fundamentally, they're like millions of, of they're, I don't know, millions of different kinds of apps, but there's thousands and thousands of different use cases for the apps. Mm-hmm. So you can't really say like, like saying an app should look platform resident is kind of like saying, uh, 
all objects should be made out of cardboard. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it it's meaningless. You, so you have to be like, so I was trying to drill down with these guys and be like, well, what, what kind of app are you talking about? You know, like, like if you have, if let's say you're an enterprise and you're, you're building an app for, you know, you've got 40,000 uh, uh, employees and then you're going to build an, a human resources app for them and it is, and it's bring your own device business. If your user interface isn't consistent across all the devices, you're going to have to create training materials for you know, everything different. Like you're going to have to support different versions of the application in just in a million ways, never mind yeah. just a training video. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there's just so many different kinds of, or like a, an application like um, the Roku remote control mm -hmm. controller. Should that look like, oh, they didn't use iOS looking buttons. They, they, they made it look like their remote control. Is that bad? I don't think anyone would argue that that's a bad idea. No. But, you know, but if you're saying apps, then I'm going to come up with a million reasons why you're wrong because it's, it's <laughs> just so easy. So that was, that was one that's thing. A, that's a, that's another, another reason why we love mobile web is it gives you that cross-platform consistency without any extra work. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's like uh, the, the sort of, I mean, obviously it's a basis of the podcast that we talk about building apps that run everywhere. And, and that's why we talk about the web so much because it's such a great everywhere platform. And yeah, it's got its drawbacks, but you know, you get a lot for free on the web. Mm -hmm. So speaking of remote controls, one of the, one of the glaring hideous bad examples of, <laughs> of, um, just catastrophically inconsistent user interface is, uh, Pandora. It's like we, we use Pandora. Yes. <laughs> it's awful. I use Pandora occasionally in a desktop web browser, usually on Google TV and occasionally on a phone like iOS or Android phone. I use it occasionally on a phone uh, on the we have a Roku and then I have the the Pandora desktop air application. Mm. So you would be so you're used to pandora on roku i'm not because we usually use google there's a google tv app for roku and you know i think i mentioned a week or two ago i finally i finally gave up on google tv it's just too annoying so <laughs> I, I just got the rokus are so cheap i just got a roku mm -hmm. i attached it to there and it's just really easy to use get that simple remote control it's really fast you can search across all your uh channels and it's great so I'm like, and it's got Pandora, which is the thing we use that TV for the most anyway. So I pull up Pandora and it's like fugly. <laughs> it is the ugliest. Yes. You, you would, you'd fall out of your chair if you saw the Google TV interface. It's gorgeous. And oh, so really? I've never seen it. It's gorgeous. It has beautiful album art, dark, you know, dark black background, not this huge purple screen with a teeny little, it's so ugly. And this TV is in the middle of our kitchen. It's like in the middle of a kitchen dining room. So it's like, it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's, it's fugly and people have to look at it. It's a feature, right? It's like a, it's like a, <laughs> it's like a fireplace, you know, it draws attention. It's right in the middle of everything. And we, you know, I'm like, can you just, can we just shut the screen off somehow? It's <laughs> yeah. so ugly that Is I switched back. Or? Yeah. So we don't, we don't, it's so bad that we don't even use it. So now we have to switch our input methods back and forth between Roku and the, and the regular Google TV. <laughs> it's, but it's just, that's just class. And then it's completely different on the desktop web. There's no, yeah. no similarity whatsoever. No, there's, there's no consistency there. 
and it's like and every time it's uh, i'm telling you there's it's like a cognitive break you know it's dissonance it's mm-hmm. there's nothing good about it you know and and so the pushback was well you know there's a big difference between building an app for a tv and building an app for a phone which i completely agree with yeah but one shouldn't be this like grape ape <laughs> purple yeah like monstrosity right. i mean i have i have never looked at at the app on the roku and been like I'm so glad this looks so much different than it does on my computer. <laughs> yeah, so I know where you know? I know I'm on Roku. I, this I is, don't forget which device I'm using. Yeah, I just I just want to know that I'm on the Roku. So I that thought I, was, I thought I was on my iMac in the other room. Yeah, for a second I was confused. No one that cares never about happens. The, no one cares about the platform. The platform is going to just fade into the background as a platform should. And yes. the focus is on the app. So obviously we understand that the platform needs to be like fast and reliable and secure and all those other things. And that that's important. And if that's screwed up, then people will notice. But if everything's working, the platform disappears and the app is center stage. And if you, you know, if people are switching between devices, which they, in my, my prediction is that they are, it's just, it's never going to get less fright. It's going to just continue to get more and more crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think it already happens. People switch between devices. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's studies show that people are using uh, at least mobile and desktop. They're they're researching on desktop or researching on mobile, and they're completing a purchase on the desktop. Well, what what did your little your little survey result show about you know how many devices people have? Didn't you? Yeah, unbelievable. You just recently did a survey. Yes, I did. It was it was it shocked me how many devices people have. I mean, I, I don't ha- I, it was very free form unstructured, um, data. So, you know, people just mm-hmm. typed in, I'm like, Oh, I've got two Mac laptops and a windows PC. And I've got like, but the average, I mean, just like kind of gut instinct, instinct of it. People, the average household easily has a half a dozen connected devices. Yeah. I'd, Easy. I'd believe it. More like a dozen. So, yeah. you know, these were all people with kids, of course, and they were all, and there were a lot of technical ones because a lot of people who follow me on Twitter are developers. But it was incredibly rare for someone to be like, oh, we've got like um, a laptop and a phone. We have a family computer, an iPhone, and three flip phones. It doesn't happen. No. There were a couple of people who were, who were super budget conscious that just had um, uh, like, like old school flip phones mm-hmm. and, and, but still, they would have Wi-Fi, like iPod touches and, and laptops. Yeah. They didn't want to pay for the, the cellular plans. But uh, I, I'm going to say like an average number of devices was a dozen per household with kids. Yeah. And, you know, if you think those are all running the same version of the same operating system, <laughs> you know, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, the argument that we brought up before, which is that if you're an unknown application and you're trying to break into the into the sort of consciousness, then there probably is a little bit of benefit to, to, for your buttons to look like all the other buttons that the person's used to. But is there? Because that's, fl- it's flimsy. Then you don't stand out. I think it's, I, I agree. I think it's flimsy. And I think that most people, especially, it seems especially like iOS de- developers really pride themselves on going above and beyond and, and really customizing or heavily optimizing the experience for whatever the, the goal of yeah. the application is. And 
And <clears throat> but at the same time, they just want to use the default buttons. Yeah, I feel like I feel like if you're an unknown application and you make yourself look like everything else, you're just going to be forgettable. Yeah. But you know what? If you make it look like everything else, if if you make it look like a total iOS application, I am 100% cool with that if you also do it on Android and Windows Phone and everywhere else. Because I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't care that it looks like an iPhone app and I'm on my Android device because you know what? I'm going to forget I'm on my Android device. Right. I'm just using your app and it just works. Right. If you like the iPhone aesthetic for some insane reason and you want to use it everywhere... That's fine, but use it everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I'm open to be to being wrong about this. If somebody has a compelling argument against, I'm happy to entertain it. But if if you if you subscribe to the notion that this explosion of computing devices is just going to continue, we're going to get we're starting to get like there's so many devices and the parts are so cheap now that we're getting like very specific like single use almost mm -hmm. like appliance type of devices so you're going to see people are going to have like um dedicated devices for particular things like i wouldn't be surprised if um uh i got a, a touchscreen remote control for my hue light bulbs yeah because it's not like i would buy that because it's a it's it's like to open up your phone to change your lights is like a multi-step process that risks you getting distracted by email and other stuff. And I just want to turn off, or I just want to change the color of the lights. If I had like a, a touchscreen device that I could just leave on my desk and that uh, anybody, this here's another thing that anybody know how to use because not, mm -hmm. I'm the only person that knows how to change, turn the lights on and off in my office. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm the only person that knows the password on my phone, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so the point being that I, I think as the, you know, if, if it costs 20 bucks for that, I would totally buy it. Yeah. And that yeah, means I that mean, I've got another touchscreen device and there's just going to be more and more of these, you know, more and more yeah. devices, touchscreen and otherwise. We have talked about, we've, we've not done it because of the financial investment involved. We've talked about getting more Hue light bulbs. Yeah. Or like, like the living room. We've got our living room, kitchen, dining room is all open. Mm -hmm. We've talked about getting hue light bulbs for those and then like mounting in the old iPad on the wall so we can just like, you know? <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah, just leave the app open. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, not a bad idea. Like, I, that's, you know what? I have, a, I have, I should just take one of these old iPod touches and just that should be my light switch. Yeah. That'd be it because like Cooper loves playing with it. <laughs> that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. It's about the same size as a as a light switch too. As an actual light switch, yeah, it is. Um, all right. So, like I said, if 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 I I love to uh, get another slap fight on Twitter. So, if anybody wants to anybody wants to shoot holes in my theory, I'm happy to entertain the idea. I'm not, but that's just the kind of week I'm having. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. Bye. <laughs>